Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Karn, and Mike Steenstra. All right, I believe this is the first time we're using Skype recording. I don't know if you guys do it for your podcast, do you? Uh, so we used to way back in the day. Um, and then whenever I got a soundboard and a whole bunch of other fun stuff, I realized that I could record everything through soundboard and actually do it into GarageBand or wherever you're going. So I actually record directly into GarageBand and I have a backup recording. And usually if it's a live show, I have the YouTube recording. So I have three recordings because, you know, I always forget to hit record on one of them. So right there, the introduction is that you know a shit ton more than we do. So tell us about your podcast a little bit and, and how long you've been going and everything everything about the podcast. Yeah, uh, we started a podcast uh, almost at, first. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, my name is Josh Gessman with uh, Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, and we started a podcast uh, kind of almost as a dare in 2009, one of my uh, co-hosts, and, and we just decided – or somebody asked us to do a podcast. They're like, hey, we'd love to have a podcast about the LA Galaxy. And uh, you and Jared, uh, I think you guys would be really good together. And uh, Jared and I had never met in person, but we had talked to each other on Twitter and a whole bunch of other places. And so we're like, yeah, sure, we'll try it. And so we recorded the first one, uh, and it was horrible. Um, and sure. So, uh, yeah, of course, because that's how it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so we sent it off to the person, and we're like, listen, this is really bad. So, um, you know, we're good. Thanks, thanks for thinking of us. We appreciate it. No problems. And so we published it, and he goes, cool, I need another one next week. Right. And I'm like, uh, OK. And so that's how we started. Um, so we did got that a great voice for radio. Let me just put that right off the bat. If you go back and listen to some of the original like recordings and I do every once in a while, I have show like 33 and we've done now over 700 shows um, wow. like show 33, I think, is where my my library goes all the way back. It doesn't sound the same. So I think the microphones have helped a little bit. I think the tweaking on the bass has helped me a little bit, um, but I basically sound like this. So. Yeah, wow. you said, yeah, and and actually, how we usually record with just us three and and Jimmy, I'll introduce him in a second. We usually do three of us, two in two in Michigan, one from Maryland. And we record locally with some yep. microphones, and that sounds pretty solid. But when we get a guest, it's like all sorts of of problems trying to uh, figure it out. So it, Skype is uh, is a fickle beast. Um, is it really? Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I've used it for all 700 shows. I mean, for the most part, uh, our Thursday night shows we do live on YouTube, and I usually have an in-guest co-host now, but that's a shift that's only happened probably in the last two years. Hmm. Um, my Monday night show, uh, I record with Kevin Baxter from the LA Times, who's the soccer writer for the LA Times, and Kevin you know, lives about two and a half hours north of me, basically. We're on either sides of Los Angeles. Um, and so, you know, us getting together is never going to happen or it doesn't happen very often. So we use Skype and, uh, whenever we do those shows, it's usually connectivity issues all over, you know, you just sort of have to have to deal with it. Like I said, I've used it for basically my whole, uh, podcasting career. So I get it. I get it. It's good. Sometimes it's bad sometimes. And, uh, whenever you're trying to add multiple things together, it, it doesn't work, but I have not found anything and I've tried people use Google Hangouts. They use other things. I haven't found anything that works as easily as skype does it's easy this is our first time using it and it's three dots start recording it's like okay that's that, that can work but i want to unpack a bunch of what you said in that, that intro there um so you you host it with a writer from the la times that's that's 
freaking neat. And and you're associated with the blog as well with the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So basically, whenever we started, uh, whenever we started Corner of the Galaxy, the the podcast, um, you know, a couple years later, I was like, hey, you know what? We should post these podcasts to a website. Sure. Uh, and so I started corner of the galaxy.com, which I also at one point had a blog called uh, the section 108.com, blah, 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 whole deal. I sort of just transitioned that over to corner of the galaxy. And I was like, oh, cool. Everybody will go to this website now to get the podcast. And that's not how podcasts work. Um, <laughs> you, go, you go get a podcast and you subscribe and then you're, you're done, right? I mean, that's you don't have to go back to a website in order to get a podcast. That's not how it works. So I said, well, what would get people to go to this website? I mean, I have the website. Wow, ah, I'll start doing like. I'll, I'll write articles about the game. Well, this is 2009, game. right? Like, like, like tell us what MLS was like back then. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I would say there's people who are, who have been uh, following uh, the league since 1996 that will laugh at my assessment of 2009. But um, yeah, 2008, I really started getting involved or, or started, started watching the league. Uh, 2009, we started the podcast. Uh, 2009, there weren't that many teams. Uh, the quality of play was pretty horrible. Um, much, much, much worse than it is now. If you go back and watch those games in 2009, uh, it's so slow. And I think you do that in any soccer. I think if you watch, you know, the English Premier League, you know, 20 years ago, you're going to watch it and say, wow, they had so much time on the ball. Yeah. Uh, right. And everything like that, because that just wasn't the style. Um, now you see everything is super high paced and even MLS has trended in that direction. So, you know, it's gotten exponentially better. But I mean, you know, players were making, some players were making $15,000 a year, $20,000 a year. Uh, um, yeah, it's nothing. Uh, now, now those same players, you know, I think the max or, or the minimum salary now is, you know, 55, 65, somewhere around that. So, I mean, at sure. least it's still entry level though, if you, if you want to look <laughs> it, at it, you know, well, it's always funny because I, I cover these players and, and this isn't my real job. I'm not a, sure. you know, I, I, pr- I, I like to say I stayed at a holiday and express and, you know, now I'm a reporter. Um, I, I only, I only did it because there was a gap and a void there. Um, and I think that I understand soccer and played it throughout my life and understand it enough and have talked with enough cool people that have sort of given me a certain perspective on this. So, um, you know, coming into MLS, it's what I know. And I basically cover the (laughs) galaxy. If you want to know MLS wide stuff, other people cover that stuff. But, you know, for, for galaxy wise, I, I consider myself, you know, somewhat of an expert because I've been watching them and been attending games and been sitting in the press box since 2012. So, um, you know, all yeah, these things sort of followed. That, that gets you right into the to the mindset of what it what's all, what it's all about. And, and I'm just curious about the press room and MLS in general. And, and it sounds like you have a lot of experience in there. So, so what's it like behind the scenes covering MLS? Uh, it's controlled chaos. Um, you know, MLS pretends that it's a big major league like it is in any, if like, like if you were covering uh, major league baseball, if you're covering NFL and they're not. Um, and the only reason that I know that is talking to people who have covered all those sports and have covered them for, you know, people who cover the NFL, who cover baseball, who cover I've pop. covered NBA. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, if you go there and, and there's a certain professionalism that's there and I think MLS has grown in leaps and bounds. Um, but the league as a whole pretends like it's as advanced as those leagues in terms of press coverage and press availability and all these things. And it's just, yeah. And it's just not there. I mean, it's not even close to there. Um, so, you know, we constantly have these, these boundaries. I mean, there's rules that are just flatly ignored, uh, that they created themselves, but then they ignore the rules about media availability. And it's, it's all stuff that's just weird. Um, but they're getting better. 
Um, they're getting better and they're getting worse. As more teams come along, there's more people who have different interpretations of the rules. And so different teams treat different rules different ways. And then the league is supposed to be there as the sort of overseer, but the league sort of is also, oh, you know, it's all the owners. And so they don't really care that much either. So there's lots of stuff. I think if you're a reporter covering major league soccer, um, you are, you know, on the pioneering edge of trying to figure out what this league is going to be in 20, 30, 40 years, because, um, you know, we're just getting into just like press availability stuff right now where it's like, hey, we have issues with this. So let's figure this stuff out. Sure. And the league has to have administrative staff to do that. And uh, I'm sure at this point, the league is financially sound enough to have a, a nice big back office that can figure that that kind of stuff out. They do. And, and I think they're getting more advanced. And to their credit, I think that they're hiring the right people in a lot of places the league is. I'll say this, that the team level, I still feel like um, – you know, the team level, you look at it and say that most of the people who work in a front office of a major league soccer team don't make any money. Um, and so that's, I've tough. looked at jobs. It's uh, yeah, it's, it, it's not it, much. It, no, no, it's, it's, it's scarce. Um, you know, even in, and especially take that and move that into Los Angeles, a very expensive place to live. I'm not seeing some giant cost of living increase for people who work for, you know, LAFC or LA galaxy. It's about the same salaries pretty much no matter where you go. Um, which is a tough thing to do. Again, you're losing expertise. You, you lose people to the NBA, you lose people to, you know, NHL, you lose people to MLB. So you get that. So there's a lot of entry level. So it's a lot of learning, which is fun because there's young people around and that can be energetic and fun. But, um, and yeah. MLS isn't a fun learning environment or, or, or stage in its life cycle. I think I, I um, but I, I feel like I've been hogging the airwaves here, and I want to introduce you to to Jimmy Carn. He's the other, he's the devil of the podcast. We're roosting the devil because we're a Tottenham, Manchester United centric podcast that's interested in you know obviously USMNT. Um, but but myself, I've only been watching soccer for two years. Came from the NBA background, and Jimmy's been watching since as long as he can remember. And he's the most knowledgeable guy on our podcast. So I want to give him the oh. opportunity to just like. To, to guide you and uh, on a spirit quest, if you will. <laughs> that good. Wow, that was uh, quite the introduction. Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, Josh, thank you for joining us. By the way, um, so like 2009, right? You said like you know that it's only 10 years ago, but the the crazy growth of the league over the last 10 years. I mean. How many teams were in 2009? Still 12? Is, yeah, is that I think it was? about 12. That was, that was just before, I think, or just after they had con- reconsolidated. And so you were just getting back into the, oh, we're thinking about expansion uh, expansion again. And so 2009 was a pretty big turning point for the league, especially with David Beckham having come on in 2008. Uh, the Galaxy reaching an MLS Cup final in 2009, which put David Beckham on the international scale in 2009. Uh, I think a lot of things turn and sort of pivot at that 2009 mark, at least in in what I've been able to cover and watch and, and see. So, so that that is, uh, leads me to my next question. You know, I think that any, anyone you know who's followed MLS obviously knows like LA Galaxy. You know, for you know the 23 years of existence has really been LA Galaxy is, you know, sets the standard. They have the most uh, MLS titles, what have you. But if you were talking to someone outside of the U.S., do you think that they know the LA Galaxy because, you know, they have been the dominant force? Or do you think they know LA Galaxy because of David Beckham? Oh, they know him, David Beckham. It's David Beckham. It's it's probably a little bit Landon Donovan, although more in the United States. Um, it's Latan Ibrahimovic now. Um, you know, it's been those big names that have sort of kept the LA Galaxy in always this international discussion. If there's rumors, 
uh, as there usually are, especially at this time of the year. If there's rumors and there's rumors about some big name coming to Major League Soccer, the L.A. Galaxy are almost always uh, mentioned, which makes it a nightmare for reporters trying to figure out whether any of these rumors <laughs> are anywhere close to true. Uh, the fact that there's two teams in L.A. sort of it seems to escape most people internationally as well, just because. <laughs> They'll be like, well, they obviously he's going to the L.A. Galaxy. And it's like, well, there's two teams now. So, you know, figure out which one it is and then we can start talking about it. But, yeah, I mean, internationally, I, I've been to uh, I've been to the U.K. Uh, a couple times um, and had very fun conversations with Chelsea fans. Um, I've had conversations in, in Scotland. Um, so a, a bunch of places and everybody knows the L.A. Galaxy. If you're in the U.K., you might also know the L.A. Galaxy for Robbie Keane. Um, which has gotten yes. me into some fun conversations as well. So, I mean, it's those big names, and you can say that, hey, you know, the, the internationally they know the LA Galaxy because of David Beckham, and that's true, um, but it keeps the LA Galaxy in the back of their mind once they know that David Beckham played there and Zlatan Ibrahimovic played there. Um, it, it's sort of, you know, in, in this case, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. It's really lifted the LA Galaxy uh, to international acclaim more than just, you know, the, the national uh, the national, the United States uh, knowledge that that mo- some other MLS teams have. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, my, my little side nugget there. Robbie Keane, who uh, who he's talking about for the Galaxy, former Tottenham striker as well. So um, put that in your pocket. Look it up later. <laughs> Robbie, <laughs> Robbie Keane was great. Uh, one of my, uh, I got to do a one-on-one interview with Robbie for our podcast, and he's a, oh. he's, he's a really intense sort of guy, and so. Uh, I went there not thinking I was going to get that interview that day. And so I had sort of planned on a couple others that I was going to do because they did it. And I got a call uh, while I was in the shower getting ready to go up to training saying you're getting Robbie. And I'm like, "Okay, that's great. And then I freaked out uh, because I was like, (laughs) if if it's Robbie Keene, if he's if it's a good day, Robbie Keene is great and he's amazing. And if it's a bad day and he doesn't like you, uh, then it's not a fun interview. But uh, he was amazing sat there answered all the questions nice and relaxed we talked for about 15 minutes one-on-one and you know it's one of those that you sort of check out and you say you know that that was pretty cool to be able to sit there and sort of pick the brain of somebody like Robbie Keane a a great goal scorer unbelievable player and a guy who's definitely going to be a coach um as he continues to sort of find his different ways uh in, in soccer that dude will find a pickup game on any weekend to play because he needs to play soccer so if you're ever around robbie Keane, he could just show up at a field anywhere near you to play soccer guaranteed that would be incredible yeah and, and i uh, uh i'm go- definitely gonna go check out that episode because i would love to hear the interview um he's always exciting when i see him on tv so uh i'd definitely be interested in checking that out it's um, an old one. It's yeah, an old. Sorry. Caution. I caution you. It's an old one. So you know that the quality definitely got better as uh, as we've been going along. That's what I would say. <laughs> we understand yeah. that issue completely. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we uh, you mentioned there is a second team in in LA now. Um, um, and far more interesting, I think, than the previous uh, um, team Chivas, who was there before. Um, you know, I I didn't get to watch a lot this year MLS, but um, I did make sure I went and sat down at a bar to watch uh, El Trafico, but playoff version. Because I would argue with someone right now, as far as like neutral MLS fans, that game was probably more hyped and definitely more entertaining than what we're going to watch um, here in a week or so for the MLS Cup. Um, tell me a little bit what it's been like the last couple of years, you know, uh, covering, you know, having that rivalry in town. Like, what's the atmosphere like in LA on game day or, you know, leading up to that game? 
Yeah, I mean, it's you've seen a sea change, and and I know some Galaxy fans will say, you know, the Galaxy have been around since 1996, and this is their 24th season, and that you know these are just the noisy neighbors going there. But um, bottom line is that the week of the El Traficos are my favorites, and and probably the ones I hate the most at the same time. Um, everybody's on edge. Everybody's talking about it. Um, you go anywhere in LA, and you can probably have a discussion about the game, which is mm. which is different. Um, I'm not going to say you see jerseys all over the place. This is like game day on, you know, in Seattle where everybody's wearing a Sounders kit or uh, or, or something like that. But um, there is an electricity that fills these stadiums, uh, whether it's played, you know, at Dignity Health Sports Park for the, for the L.A. Galaxy or whether it's Bank of California Stadium for uh, for LAFC. Um, there's some electricity that fills it. That's just it's ridiculous. Um, it's stressful. It's tense. It's tense for people covering it. Um, there's a different level to these games. And. I would say that it, in my mind, and I was talking to some some national uh, broadcasters as well um, that have covered these games, and I, you know, I sort of have to say I ha- I live in the LA bubble, so I'm going to be like, this is the biggest game in the United States, and it's not even close. But I feel that because I'm here and I notice a difference. So I asked other people, and and I think they still agree with me that yes, it's this- 100% true. I'm on the East Coast, and that that game by far is the one that I hear about the most. Yeah. And you have to, and you have to go to it. I mean, it's one of those where it's tough to get tickets. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers played the same week as LAFC and LA galaxy in the playoffs. And the, the, the stadiums are about the same size. So you can do uh, it. Actually, uh, the bank of California is a little bit bigger and the average ticket price was higher for El Trafico than it was for Lakers Clippers, which is uh, something that if you would have told me could have happened, even that the Clippers would be good enough to warrant that sort of thing, you know, 10 years ago, it's one of those things you sit there now and you go, wow, okay, that's something. And and it may be that Major League Soccer isn't making a ton of money because they just released the numbers again and, oh, everybody's losing money right ahead of a giant collective bargaining agreement negotiation that's going on again. Um, but it's one of those things that you sit there and go, yeah. this is making strides, this is making changes. I get text messages from people who don't watch soccer that like are my friends and they're like, Oh man, are you at the game? Are you there? Are you watching this? Are you going, you know, I get, I get those questions all week leading up to, can you get me tickets? That's my favorite one. Can you get me tickets to go to the game? It's, you know, those, yeah. those types of things. So it's huge. Um, and, and how have- know the big complaint on my, on my part. Yeah. East coast time. Like put that shit at, you know, <laughs> afternoon so we can watch it. I, I have a kid. It's ten thirty at night. Like I try to stay up for it, and I I'm just falling asleep on the couch. Like, it, and I'm interested. And no, no, it was, and it was something I talked with uh, Taylor Twelman about because we were talking about sort of the timing. The enemy of our podcast, for the record. <laughs> what <kidding>. was that? <laughs> An enemy of your podcast? They, that's okay. Nobody. He blocked, he blocked I, I think- us on yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that uh, that Taylor and I had a had a rocky start, but I actually consider him a pretty good friend. We talk all the time about this oh. game. So if you ever get a chance to meet him in person, uh, sure I, honestly, you, we just made some like trollish comments. And yes, yes, what was? Yes, he he gets that. He gets that a lot. Uh, and Galaxy fans absolutely hate him, which is hysterical because I think he's been one of the most consistent guests on our podcast over the years, which always cracks me up. Wow. All yeah. right. That's yeah. awesome. He's a huge name. He really yeah, he's he's a, he's a nice guy. I think he does a great job for what he does. Um, and I think that not enough people probably give him credit for that. But, um, you know, talking to, to Taylor about this stuff, we talked about the timing and he's like, yeah, he goes, we'd love to have it, you know, on at a different time. He goes, it would work. He, I go, we got to stop getting away. We get into these problems where you look at the competition and they're trying to give it the best chance it is. And it still did 1.2, 1.3, whenever you combine Spanish 
uh, English, and then streaming all together. 1.2, 1.3 million people is a huge share for an MLS game. In fact, it was higher than anything since, like, I think the 2012 playoffs, which also included the Galaxy and the big name David Beckham. So, I mean, that's what you're trying. That's what you're seeing these two teams generate. Um, and it's on a scale that's hard for me to really even, you know, wrap up sometimes. It's, it's, it's fun to see here in Southern California and the fact that it, it's taken off like that. That's, yeah, yeah. What is is MLS on FS1? There, so they have ESPN. a combined TV, uh, com- combined TV package right now between ESPN and Fox. Um, yeah, I've seen, so yeah, yeah, I see that on uh, ESPN Plus. I've seen a bunch of games. Yeah, but ESPN Plus does all the MLS uh, live stuff, so it's all of the out of market broadcasting. Um, and so that's why, you know, I pay like six bucks or whatever a month so I can watch all the out of market stuff. So I can go on my TV and split the screen into four screens and watch four games at the same time, which is a ton of fun. Um, so you can do that. Um, that's great. But, uh, right now the, the ratings have actually affected ESPN more than it's affected Fox. So Fox has bad ratings and they're getting certain games and ESPN has really good ratings and they're getting certain games. And so it's a real sort of. Uh, balancing the act of who is doing a good job and who isn't doing a good job. And right now, Fox is losing that, and they're on the same ticket. They're really not competing with each other. So they're getting picks of good games. It's not about timing. It's not about all that stuff. It's probably about production quality more than anything. So it's, a, it's been a real interesting sort of thing, especially as we go towards, I think, 2021, where MLS has asked that all teams, uh, that all the teams not renew their local broadcast contracts, mm. which which seems to lend itself to the possibility that they're going to offer all uh, broadcasts on one single network or one single platform, like an ESPN plus where you'd get everything and there wouldn't Please be, do. That, yes, would, yeah. I was like, that, that would be money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would, so anyway, that's, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. That's at least the rumor or at least the, the, the stuff that's being kicked around. So it's all, all interesting stuff on the TV well, front. That's a, I mean, that's been kind of, you know, amongst, Mike and Brad and I, like one of our biggest complaints is, is every time, you know, like every year, like I think that all of us try to make like a conscious decision to watch, but you know, we're so spoiled because like we turn on, I know that when I turn on NBC in the morning, I'm going to get to watch premier league. And instead uh, for when I want to watch MLS, I'm, you know, stirping around like, all right, I got to look on the internet and figure out which channel is carrying which game this time. And if I can even get it in this market, like blah, blah, blah. So if they had a, like a, you know at least one broadcaster, like right. that would be that'd be absolutely fantastic. I'll tell you, I used to have uh, the the previous version of MLS Live was put out by Major League Soccer, and you could get the app on you know Apple TV or whatever. And because I was a reporter, they actually gave it to me, and then they um, they took all the blackouts out, so I could watch any game at Ooh. any time. And so anytime I wanted to watch a game, I knew I just had to go to ESPN Plus or you know MLS Live and watch those games. And mm-hmm. it was such a change whenever ESPN took it over and the blackouts were in effect and different things. I was like, now I have to find these games. I go, that seems like it's way harder and I'm not getting the same value for it. So I, I, having been somebody who one of the, probably one of the, you know, hundred, 200, maybe 500 people who had that option at one point, I'm telling you it's amazing. And if they could ever do that, that there would be huge value in that for somebody like ESPN. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot because I think Mike and I have both been salivating a little bit. Um, we've gone this far without asking you about um, a podcast favorite of ours, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yes. Um, uh, so obviously there's you know a little bit of is he staying or is he going? Um, you know how do you think uh, if he decides to go? How, what what sort of impact would that have on the Galaxy next year? 
um, not just competitively, but also as far as like coverage. Yeah. Um, I, so having waffled on this throughout the season, he's staying, he's going, he's staying, he's going. Uh, I sort of still sitting on the fence. I, I, I tended to lean towards he's going just the way that he was talking to us at the end of the year. Uh, the many complaints he had about the league, the sort of the way that he would talk about the league or about, you know, travel or about any of the many things that happen. Um, I tend to think that he's probably leaving. That's there's nothing based on that. I don't have any inside information. I have to make that clear because somebody will be like, Josh knows. And I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I say I think he's leaving. I think for the galaxy, and this is a problem in Los Angeles, um, it's certainly a problem in Los Angeles, is that if you have a star player, uh, then you need to replace a star player with a star player. Now, you could never replace David Beckham. That was impossible. And you can't replace Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so, you ha- so you have to understand that those are those are names that are not equal to anything else that's out there outside of if you bring in Cristiano Ronaldo or, or Messi, um, you know, into into the L.A. Galaxy. Those would those would be big enough names to to probably, uh, you know, cr- cr- keep cruising on without any dip. So I would expect that if he leaves, uh, the Galaxy will go out and they will try to get a star. Um, but that it will not match whatever Zlatan is, and they will, they will probably see a decrease in attendance, um, regardless of whether they're winning or not. Now, in Los Angeles, you have to win and you have to have star power. And you can't, it doesn't matter if you have one and not the other, because that doesn't translate into s- selling seats and walk up seats. Because if you figured the Galaxy have, mm, let's call it, let's be really generous to the Galaxy and say that they have 12,500 season ticket members, all right, which is uh, uh, in a stadium that holds tw- 25,000 people. Okay. Mm. We use round numbers. That's easy. So half the stadium is filled up with season ticket members. That means that you're relying on star power. You're relying on the opponent you're playing and you're relying on your ability to, to sell walk up tickets basically for the wet rest of those seats, which means that somebody which like Zlatan just does. Yeah, fantastic. Which, exactly. Because everybody <laughs> wants to come see the Zlatan show. Um, and that's, that's fun. And guess what? I like going to the stadium and seeing the Zlatan show too. I like seeing the Zlatan show in the locker room afterwards. That's fun too. What's um, that like? So he is, um, as much as we get sound bites, and before he came, I was like, oh, this guy is going to be a dick. Um, and this is going to be diff- <laughs> difficult to cover, right? He's going to be difficult to cover all these things that you hear. And I've dealt with these players before where I've been like, oh, wow, they're way different than, than what you expect. And Zlatan is 100% the opposite of what I expected. Um, he plays a character and a lot of times we only get the sound bites of the character that he's playing. I he's love like, the character. Yeah, I, and I everybody has to say that I, I just love, it, I love him. It's fun and it's fun to cover and it's entertaining. And he said something, you know, after the last El Trafico, he's like, basically if I leave, what will you guys, what will you guys have to talk about? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and one is how audacious to say after you just lost a game, but two <laughs> also, yes, you're right. What else? Cause I'll tell you, there were probably about 60 people waiting to talk to Zlatan Ibrahimovic after that game. Um, I mean, you he know, was on Jimmy Kimmel, you know, like he's a freaking, He's a, he's a huge personality, huge star and, and personality. Yeah. But, but he's an actor and that's sort of what you have to understand. One, he is an unbelievable competitor. Um, you know, him yelling at people on the field is as real as it gets. And he expects perfection from everybody. Uh, he picks on players. He'll make play. I swear to God, if, if I was out there, he'd make me cry. I'm sure he would make a, I'm sure other players have <laughs> gone too, home. Probably. Yeah. I'm sure other players have gone home to their wives or girlfriends and been like, he yelled at me again and started <laughs> crying. Okay. Because the dude, he's, he's that intense. And Robbie Keane was a dick. Okay. On the field. Landon Donovan was a dick on the field. Uh, You know, you see, 
but and 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 this that's sort of what you get though i mean you get these super competitive guys and whenever you get guys who are competitive and don't like to lose um and especially with Zlatan let's face it he's always played with a chip on his shoulder um so he gets back at these people and he's still getting back at these people he's 38 years old and he is still trying to right wrongs that he felt were, you know, were imposed on him from when he was a kid. And somebody said, Oh, you don't play, you know, the Swedish way. You don't do this. You don't look like the rest of the Swedish people. You don't look 38. And he had a fantastic season. He might go play in Syria is the rumor that I'm hearing lately. Sure. Sure. And I would say if he goes, that's probably a pretty good. I think he could go to China and make a whole bunch of money if he wanted to. Yep. But I don't think that's his route. Um, I think yeah, I've been told there's a bunch of Swedish journalists who cover him um, who I've been lucky enough to hang out with. And uh, and we talk about where he's going and, and they've talked to him and followed him throughout his career, too. And they're like, he loves Italy. So Italy is certainly a place that I could see him going. Um, so that all makes sense. But I mean, ultimately, when you get down to it, the dude is super intense on the field, an amazing guy off the field. Um, and in all the sound bites that you see, he's playing a character. Most of the time he's smiling whenever he says this stuff or he's joking and he loves it. Whenever you ask a question, it just sets him up so perfectly. Like a big smile comes on his face and he he's knows like, and everybody sits there and goes up. Oh, he's going to say it. Here comes something good. And then he says it. Every, he's like, there it was. Thank you. Thank you. It was, it's about as close to yes. sex as reporters. Please get. tell me, I'll say, please tell me you have the, a copy of the newspaper when they, when they first signed him, where yeah. he took out that whole full page ad. If I live yeah. in L.A., I would definitely have a copy of that. Yeah, yeah, I have it in, uh, I have it stored, that's for sure. That's one of those that gets put in the, <laughs> put in the vault. Uh, the funny thing is that we had heard, um, I told you that, uh, that my co-host is the L.A. Times soccer reporter, Kevin Baxter. Which uh, is, by the way. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's Kevin and I became friends in the press box and I was like, hey, we should do we should do you should come on my podcast because um, we do two shows a week. And one of the shows that we do is is called Corner of the Galaxy from the box, which is like from the press box. But then it's also from the penalty box. Oh, so funny. I'm hysterical. So anyway, so from the box. That's by the way, I explained that like uh, earlier this year and people were like, that's what it meant. And the show's been going for like 400 episodes. So it's always good that I'm I got right on top of that. Um, but no, I said, Kevin, I go, you should come on the podcast. I go, I think it will be fun. Um, and we can discuss things cause we don't really agree on everything. So, um, he became the Panda and I became Pato and that's, uh, it's Pato and Panda in the morning, which we record in the evening. So it makes perfect sense. <laughs> that is excellent. That yeah. Is but, but, but Kevin, so to finish that story, but Kevin worked for the LA times. We, Kevin had known that Zlatan was coming for about a week before he came, um, and so we were preparing for that and understanding. And he's like, yeah, I got, I got tipped off by the ad department that they're taking out a full page ad, but we didn't know what it said. I'm like a full page ad in the LA times. And he's like, yeah, we didn't know what it said. And then it came out and he was like, you're going to love this. He goes, well, did you see this? And I'm like, oh man, it was great. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was, it was a great sort of moment for, uh, the LA galaxy to be able to pound their chest again. Um, and it was, uh, you know, the culmination of a couple years worth of work because we thought he was coming, you know, a year or two earlier, a year earlier, whenever he got injured with Manchester United, he was actually rumored about coming over to the LA galaxy following that season. And then he got injured. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Absolutely. No, I, I think, uh, like I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if he does go like that would be disappointing for sure. But I feel like, and I get why, you know, LA needs a star, but also I think that there are some like, like I thought, you know, pretty underrated, um, maybe not most Americans, but, you know, getting Pavan from, uh, um, from Boca, um, you know, halfway through the season, like I think players like that and you see, 
you know, teams like Atlanta going the youth route, you know, more teams, you know, shying away from, you know, worrying about signing stars and more or less building through youth. I mean, have you seen any of that, like LA maybe thinking about making that, that paradigm shift or do you think there'll always be a star market? I think they're a star market and, you know, uh, Kevin and I had a big disagreement on one of our podcasts recently. He goes, well, it doesn't seem to affect, you know, Atlanta United and, and certainly, you know, Joseph Martinez, uh, over there and, and all the, the pity Martinez. Miguel. Yeah. Miguel Amaron. Um, so all these guys came in there and, you know, Hey, they have 60 plus thousand people at their, at their stadium. That's great. And I said, but if you're going to try turf. to, yeah, yeah, it's turf and it's, I don't like turf. I, I, that, that, uh, yeah. The, the sight lines are horrible, by the way, on television for that for the for that stadium. Um, you can't mm-hmm. see one of the corners. So that's mm-hmm. useless. In my opinion, I'm like, great, that's fine. That's and that's all great. And you can pick on them, but they still get 60 plus thousand people yes. at every yes. single game. And that's a huge True. success for Major League Soccer, because whenever they said we're going to Atlanta, I'm like, OK, have fun yeah. with that. And I was that's wrong, the market, though. That's the market that works. Those, those mid tier size cities. Well, and that's why. You can have a team without stars. If you can, if you're going to try to compare Atlanta to Los Angeles, I'm going to smack you on the back of the head, and I'm going to be like, there are so many people won't go see the Lakers when they suck. Okay, so and you have to have the stars. I mean, LeBron James came, and all, even though they sucked, everybody started showing up again. Um, so it, it's it's been proven over and over again, and I bang my head against the wall constantly trying to tell people, yeah, you can go, you could the LA Galaxy could perfectly go after. Um, some obscure South American stars or, you know, a younger European or however you want to say it, get a guy who's 22, 23 years old, maybe in that, in that vein, pull him into the team. And the LA galaxy could have great success, but the star power needs to be there. If you're going to put butts in seats and people can criticize that all they want. I'm not really here to pass judgment on how the galaxy fill up their stadium. I don't really care. Um, I enjoy good soccer. I'll be happy with a, a, you know, a non-star team. That's fine. It's fun to watch live soccer and I get to do it all the time. Um, but at the bottom line is yeah, yeah, for free. It's, oh, it's such a racket. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I, I love live soccer. It's I get to see so many games too. And it's, it's like you said, for free. Um, but, but in LA, if you don't have that star, people aren't going to show up. All right. And people argue, you know, oh, well, what about LAFC? LAFC has Carlos Vela, who is a huge star in the Mexican market, um, in a, you know, very Latino city like Los Angeles. I mean, you're playing to all the strengths on that. He's a star. He's great. He, maybe he's not as media friendly as people would like him to be. I'd certainly like him to be more, you know, outspoken and talk more, but, um, he puts butts in the seats. And if LAFC starts losing and there's no Carlos Vela, there will be empty seats at Bank of California stadium. You think so? Yeah. I feel like the branding has been spot on. They, I mean, listen, for the market, they did a good job and they certainly, you know, LA is big enough to have four MLS teams, really, if you want to put that many. I mean, you could probably have, yeah. you could do what I mean, if you're going by English, you know, right. divisions yeah. of, uh, of soccer teams easily, easily, yeah. I think LA could have like eight. Yeah. And, and there's enough people and there's probably enough diverse opinions in order to be able to do that. Um, you know, I think LAFC has done great because they've really put the pressure on the LA galaxy who were cruising. Nobody was challenging them in the market. And quite honestly, nobody was challenging them in MLS. Um, now somebody's challenging them. And as much as they pretended like there wasn't a car in their rearview mirror, uh, eventually that car hit them in the butt. Um, and now they're having to pay attention again. Uh, which is good. And that's, again, I think if you talk to both of those, uh, you know, different teams and the different sides, they'll, they'll admit that, uh, you know, again, a rising tide lifts all boats and that's good for the, whatever happens, 
uh, for either of those teams is probably good for both teams. Uh, eventually, I'd love to see El Trafico get played at the new Inglewood Stadium, where there's going to be like 68,000 seats or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, half, half the stadium with L, you know, half the stadium Galaxy, half the stadium with LAFC, and it would be you know a soccer game that is that will rival some of the biggest and best I think in the world, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun to think that you could MLS could put a game of that caliber um, in a situation right now in 2019 or 2020. Um, Absolutely. so it's kind of fun. So, Is so, it, uh, Jim, go, good. Go no, I was going to ask, uh, just follow up from the star question is, is Adam Lalana or Mesut Ozil a big enough name for LA galaxy? Yeah. So, so it's funny that you ask that because I, I tell everybody and anybody who's listening to my podcast will go, yeah, we've heard this before about a million times. I always say, you know, what does star power mean in Los Angeles? And there's a pretty easy litmus test that you can always say, always do. And so far it's worked seamlessly. Uh, does my mom know who these people are? Um, and, and the answer is that no, they don't. She doesn't right. know who those people are. Um, so, you know, I think it would be great for the galaxy. I think there's enough of a soccer understanding community around Los Angeles that you certainly would drive some people to the, to the stadium, but is it star power big enough to be able to, you know, hold what the LA galaxy do? I don't know. Uh, they're kind of borderline in terms of, of of what that is, and is the market changing at all to where you don't need as big a star because the soccer sort of bubble that you're in in Los Angeles now is self-sustaining. That there's enough soccer interest that people will just fill that in. So far, I've been right. Star power and winning equals packed stadium. Um, but you know, I, I'm not I'm not closed off to the fact that that could change and that could shift as we get more soccer knowledgeable people um, that want to spend the money to go to these games. So, so where I'm coming from, I've been watching the game only two years. Like we came from NBA, NFL, what you're saying makes sense. And I think growing the game any way you can in the U.S. makes sense. But uh, where do you see the MLS going in the next 10 years? You know, it's it's tough because they've ex- they're they're expanding so much. I mean, you know, we're basically up to 29 teams now, and I think pretty soon we'll be at 30. So there's going to be 30 teams. Um, it means revenue big- is from the from the initiation fee, right? The um, the initial yeah, initial- the, the the franchise fee, right? Buying right. into the league is is that expansion fee, and you know, 250 300 million dollars is of that, and that gets all split between the owners because basically what happens is that it's all a single entity. So if you buy in, then you dilute the shares, so you have to pay the owners. For for diluting the shares. That's sort of how that works. I know people want to sure. call it a pyramid scheme, but it's really just an investment okay. um, that they're coming in to put in uh, to do it. And yeah, a lot of that money has, but here's the other thing is that values for those clubs and, you know, Atlanta United was just valued at $500 million by Forbes. Um, that's half a billion dollars for a soccer team in the United States. And the LA Galaxy were valued at $480 million. I think LAFC was just behind it, maybe 450 or 460. I don't remember the exact numbers, Two but years. you yeah, you're, you're starting to see that some of these teams are valued higher than, you know, NHL teams. Some of these teams are va- valued higher be. than than NBA teams. And, mm-hmm. and and they should be like there's some things in here. The the big hill to climb here is still, you know, the NFL and, and NBA are the, you know, the, the two headed gorilla now. And they're going to continue to just sort of soak up all of that uh, media attention. And so can MLS surpass major league baseball, which has been on the decline. Can major league base, can uh, MLS surpass NHL, um, which has actually been on the rise a little bit. So, you know, it's one of those, it's like who you're fighting for all these entertainment and in Los Angeles specifically, which is funny, you're fighting for all of those at like the same time too, because there's like two teams for everything in Los Angeles and you could spend your entertainment dollars, however you want. So how did the galaxy carve out a niche like that? But in, in major league soccer as a whole, 
they're getting to the end of where expansion is going to be, you know, possible because I already don't know how you, there, there's never going to be a balanced schedule ever again. So we should just all throw that out, which is sad. So you're never going to play every team twice and call it a season at 34 games, right? That's gone. Um, Why? It's just because of travel. Well, and there's too many teams. Too many now. teams. Yeah. yeah so oh, now you're right. at 30 teams, right? And at 29, 30 teams, you can't do it. Promotion relegation. I mean, yeah. No. <laughs> uh, eventually, yes. Split MLS into two. You, I think eventually, yes. I think the biggest problem, and I'm, I'm not a pro reller. I don't believe that it's absolutely necessary <laughs> in, in the United States. But I will say this: that eventually MLS runs out of expansion opportunities, and knowing that the second division is starting to be built up, at least to, you know, it's nowhere near where it needs to be in order to do pro rel yet. But USL is doing fantastic things for us soccer in general. They, they are. I love, I, I love USL games. I think they're like, you know, soccer on crack most of the time. I mean, I you know, like USL a lot. It's like sprint back and forth for 90 minutes because they're all young kids and that's what, that's what they do. And it's fun to watch. I mean, that's not a knock on it. I think the, the, the development of that league needs to continue. And with all the different divisions, that's great too. All that is good stuff. But, um, you know, for major league soccer, they're eventually probably going to have to go to three conferences. I think instead of the two that they have the West and the East, mm-hmm. I think you're going to a central, uh, I think that means that you're going to have, you know, a totally unbalanced schedule. I think that means that you'll probably play, you know, there's even a possibility that maybe you just play the people in the Western conference for your regular season eventually. And you they play two or three times and then, I like how, that. and then how do you do the playoffs? Right? Because the playoffs are a very American thing and they're here to stay. And this year the playoffs have been ridiculously entertaining. I can't wait to do it again next year with all these single elimination games because it's a knockout. It's a knockout tournament and that's fun as hell to watch. Yeah. But what do you think about Tor- So if Toronto wins the MLS cup, they won't get a spot in CONCACAF champions league. Yeah. Because they're a Canadian team, a nice little hiccup in the whole thing. I mean, th- there's a bigger issue for major league soccer. Are the Canadian teams going to be staying in major league soccer? Or are they going to be eventually go over to the Canadian premier league? Because really FIFA issues, um, waivers for teams to play outside their country only if there isn't like a top level uh, league in there. So technically, really? FIFA mm-hmm. could pull that back. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but I think eventually MLS has to decide is if those Canadian teams are a part of MLS or they're going to go to the Canadian Premier League, which if the Canadian Premier League survives and builds itself up and then can be a rival um, or at least big enough to absorb those teams. So, I mean, that's all questions. It, you know, the whole reason that the, that Champions League thing is even up for debate is because the 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 um, those spots are divvied up by the associations. So it's U.S. soccer says that they get, you know, X number, and I think they have four spots, and they get to fill them a certain way. And it's Canadian soccer um, that says that it, the winner of the um, Canadian championship gets that CCL spot. So, you know, Canadian soccer could have said, Oh, whoever finishes highest in major league soccer will get the, get it, but they didn't. So, and Toronto usually didn't have a problem because they were really good at winning that tournament all the time. The Voyagers cup there. And then they lost to Montreal in a shootout and that went sideways. So, um, listen, uh, Toronto says that they deserve it. I'll say this, that if they don't get it, it's not going to be a huge knock. They weren't that great of a team in the regular season. So it's really hard to sort of make a really good case, but they're going to make it to, you know, an MLS cup final again against Seattle again. Yeah. Um, so those are all, those are all good things. Are you worried about with the, with expansion? Are you worried about diluting the product? Like, I mean, for, for, for what the teams were like, uh, the closest one for where I live is Chicago. And granted, they had some location issues, but like that stadium was dead. The product wasn't very good. The only reason I went is because of all people, Zlatan was there. Um, Like, are you worried overall that, yes, we're getting expansion? Yes, we're seeing growth. Yes, we're getting, you know, whatever media share. 
But what about the products in the field? Like at some level, like even a country as big and as uh, diverse as the United States can only support so much talent um, for a league like that. Are you worried about that at all? No, and and I'll tell you only because I've seen that as expansion has gone, that the quality of Major League Soccer has continued to grow, and that's really not, has nothing to do with the talent in the United States, unfortunately. And I think that's a detriment to the U.S. men's national team and U.S. soccer. But I also don't think it's Major League Soccer's job to create players for U.S. soccer. Um, I think a Major League Soccer's job is to make a world class league and to have a high t- high level of play. And really, what you've seen is that. Those diluting the talent is really hard in soccer. It may be, you know, and I'm not an, an expert on on you know Major League Baseball or or the NBA, uh, and know the uh, the the world geography as good. But in soccer, everybody in the world plays soccer. Um, so that means that there is international talent that you can bring into this league, and you know your level of play will continue to rise as you can afford higher and higher international talent. Um, what you've seen on the LA galaxy is that, you know, they're a heavily international club. They went out and bought extra international slots. I think they've ended up with 10 or 11 international players on their roster. Um, so you look at that and you look at the domestic starters for that and they're, they've been minimized and they've said that in major league soccer, you know, throughout major league soccer is that domestic players aren't getting the minutes. Now that that's, that sucks for us soccer and it sucks for the domestic players, but overall it's been really successful for the league. So as we expand, I don't, you know, they add another eight international slots to every team every time they expand. So that's another eight international players. That's 16 more international players that will be allowed in the league in 2020, um, unless there's some huge change to the CBA that you know changes those numbers. Um, but that's that's 16 more international players that come in, and of those eight play, you know, eight spots, you would expect that eight of those spots are starting for each one of those new teams coming up. So, um, yeah, I, I don't worry about it. I worry more that if if Major League Soccer wants this to be a feeder for U.S. soccer, that they have to limit the number of internationals and they may even have to put rules in that maybe like some some have said that you have to start a certain amount of domestic players, which I don't think helps your style of play, but it does eventually help the U.S. soccer. So it's a really fun thing to discuss because I don't think Major League Soccer owes U.S. soccer anything. And I don't think U.S. soccer thinks that Major League Soccer is going to develop players. And you hear that from Greg Berhalter. It's like it's not his job to develop players. It's the club's job. But it's not happening Major League Soccer. So where's that happening? It has to happen outside. And, you know, what's the what's the impetus for that? What is driving that Major League Soccer? Because what is the advantage for a team to play a young domestic player knowing that they need minutes um, uh, eventually, hopefully it's to sell that player and make a whole bunch of money that you can then use for other things. And so if they get into that mindset and that really becomes an advantage and you're starting to see it a little bit here and there, um, if that becomes an advantage, then you're starting to talk about, you know, major league soccer that maybe can develop more domestic players, but it's well, not happening right now. Well, I mean, like from your, uh, from the point of just like, uh, maybe not to play in the field or anything like that, but like, wouldn't a club want to, you know, develop the next great American player? Like, and try to keep them like i mean think about like you know some of the draw that you get whether it's television or attention or whatever media share that you can get if you have a player that's u.s men's national team player and he came up to your club like wouldn't wouldn't you want that kind of extra attention even if it wasn't from a a sporting sense it was strictly from a marketing sense wouldn't you want to have that guy on your team or develop that guy yeah I, i think that works up to a certain point but i think everything the thing that everybody misses and i've certainly watched this through the la galaxy academy more than anything la galaxy academy through the usl team through everybody is that you're gonna get one of those um you know every five or six or seven years and you're gonna get 15 or 20 flops 
And so it's really expensive to put all that money in. And by the way, if you get somebody, uh, the LA Galaxy have a 17-year-old right now, Efrain Alvarez, who's a, who's a Mexico U-17 player. Um, and then, and will probably be a Mexico, um, you know, international coming up. But the big deal with Hefari Alvarez is that he's 17. So you have to imagine that by the time he's 18 or 19, the LA galaxy, we're going to get a pretty big offer for him if he continues to go. And then they're going to take that money and then he's going to go away because you can't keep those guys. And I mean, if he performs on the international scale with Mexico's national team, he'll get a, a giant offer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the galaxy will take it and they should, they should take yeah. it and cash in on it, but you're not going to hold these guys. I mean, you're, you're gone are the days probably where like you could keep a land and Donovan in the league, you know, whenever he was young, um, you know, throughout his whole year because he went Landon away. Was interesting. He, he went on loan in premier league and did well. And then just came back. Well, he, he was, that was a fun time for him. Um, I think he had gone to Europe and he played in Germany and it had been a, a failure. Um, he had gone there and he played, yeah, yeah, he, he played under Jurgen Klinsmann, um, which is always a fun thing as well. Um, (laughs) and so they sort of went there and it didn't work out and he felt like he was homesick. He was young. He he didn't want to be there. And so he came back and, you know, he was successful in major league soccer. And then everybody's like, well, he, he was never good enough for Europe. So he was like, okay, well, Everton offered him that chance. He went and played in the EPL and he was there for, you know, a half a season or whatever it was. And he was electrifying and it was fun to watch. Uh, But he came back with more confidence knowing that he was going to be in MLS. Uh, It's a weird case to sort of put stuff on, but you're you're not going to be able to keep guys like that. The bottom line is you're not going to have somebody who's uh, a domestic player who plays, you know, on an international level and has success on an international level. You're not going to be able to keep those guys in Major League Soccer. And being a selling league isn't a problem. It's probably an asset. So um, that's where I think Major League Soccer sort of has to look in terms of developing players is, yes, develop them, but develop them to sell them. So that way, then you can put that money back in the league. So that way you can find the next domestic player that you can then run through 20 or 30 guys and fail on and find that one guy who somehow succeeds better than everybody else and sell him for a whole bunch of money so you can do it again. I mean, that's that's sort of the cycle that I see. But there's so much failure in professional sports. I think people forget that Um, I watch guys and I've known guys who played soccer their entire lives who are successful at every single level and go and can't get a minute in major league soccer. Maybe it's because they sit behind somebody like David Beckham, or maybe it's because they sit behind somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But bottom line is it doesn't mean they're not good enough. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, but it's just like a roll of the dice, a flip of the yeah. coin. It's like all sports. You know, you got, you got to have the right coach sometimes. Ethan. It, it all matters. It all yeah. matters. And uh, it all goes into sort of the perception of the league too. So, it's an interesting, interesting sort of time for Major League Soccer. It's getting pretty big now, and uh, and where it goes, I guess, is sort of anybody's guess. But um, the way that they're sinking money into it, I would imagine that it continues to climb. Eventually, Pro Rel, it's coming, just in like fifteen or twenty years. Sure, sure, they got to build the uh, the base of teams. Yep, absolutely. So uh, we end our podcast with a rant. Anything you want to say about pod uh, about soccer, about podcasts? It could be. Anything you want, really. Anything on your mind. Yeah. How, how do you guys feel about VAR real quick before I go off on my Oh, rant? don't get me started. Are, I'm, are, uh, you, are you a positive VAR person or a negative? No, very negative. Very negative. I think it ruins the flow of the game. I hate VAR checks. I, I just, Jimmy? I like human error. In right. a, in a I am, way I am well. more, I am more negative about it in, 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 in MLS than I have been. Like, I, I haven't been excited about EPL. It's been poorly ran. Um, but they still, like... I w- it didn't piss me off nearly as much as the first game I tried to watch this year in MLS was um, Philadelphia and Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I wanted to watch uh, Michael Bradley um, and uh, uh, Marco Fabian, you know, Mexico, United States. 
And I can't remember who was refereeing. He's a young guy, but he's like up and coming. Um, I, the second half, I think he had like six or seven, like within a period of 20 minutes where he like stopped to listen for VAR and it just totally killed the flow of the game. Right. Like it's got to, it, it can't be used for everything. Like stop Americanizing the crap out of it. Like that's what drives me nuts. I can't watch NFL cause I don't want to watch a replay every five minutes. Yeah. Um, no. you know, no. Okay, so so my rant will be on VAR then, because I'm sure yes. that I'm sure you don't find very many people who are positive VAR people. Um, so so my rant about VAR is is pretty simple: is that we entrust referees to make correct decisions, and when they don't, uh, we expect VAR to get it right. But the biggest problem with VAR isn't VAR at all. Um, I actually think the implementation, a lot of times, even in the EPL, is far superior to what MLS has, and MLS needs to step it up if they want to keep anybody's attention. But the biggest problem is that the referees still suck. All right. And so you're having the same people making these same bad decisions. And so if a referee goes in and says, hey, uh, that wasn't a handball, that's ridiculous. And then you ask him to look at a video of it. That dude's still going to be like, that's not a handball. That's ridiculous. So we still have a problem in Major League Soccer. And it isn't the fact that VAR is the problem. It's the fact that our refereeing is subpar. Um, and you're asking people to make decisions um, and they're bad at making decisions in the first place. And then they have to go and do more decision making, which is fine. There's still VAR still has the same element of human error that the game has itself. And I agree. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the flow gets all funky and I don't like that. But I've seen VAR checks work in Germany and I've seen them work in the EPL where they're quick, they're fast, they're decisive and everybody moves on and everything's good. But we expected them to right major wrongs because we expected referees to be able to acknowledge their major wrongs. And you're asking a human being to change the way they're thinking about something that they already decided definitively on the field. Well, that screws everything up. So until we sort of fix how that is adjudicated and also, by the way, letting fans know what's actually being discussed. Uh, I'm actually a pool reporter uh, in Major League Soccer and a pool reporter is allowed to ask referee questions, which is kind of fun. Um, and so I think I, I love talking to the referees. They're amazing people. They really are. They're trying their hardest. That's never been my my, my thing uh, to, to sort of knock the referees. I think some of the decisions they make are absolutely baffling, but I've gotten to talk to them about some of the decisions. And whenever they explain it to you, sometimes you're like, OK, I could see how you made that decision. I think that's what we need more of. Um, we're allowed to ask like three questions and they're written down and all sorts of fun rules to go with it, but we can ask them about VAR and they can explain themselves. And when they do explain themselves, when they go long, when they have a whole bunch of words, it's amazing how you can get people who are like, I hate VAR. Then look at that and say, you know what? I can see how they said that. I disagree with it, but I at least see how they came to that conclusion. And I think that's what we need more of. So I'm pro VAR. It'll get better. Um, but it's going to get worse probably before it gets better. So. Yeah, I just I just hate the game stopping, and that's what drew me to the game away from the other games that I used to watch. Um, on on average, I think in Major League Soccer, um, with VAR implemented, the the game has only increased by a couple of minutes. It's not a huge amount, and the number of calls per game that are actually VARable, if that's a word, um, yeah, is not as is high. Yeah, yeah, it's not is not as high as people think it is. Um, Major sure. League Soccer released the numbers, and I'm sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I see that. Every once in a while, you'll get a game with nine minutes of stoppage time. But uh, for the most part, you're getting games with still two, three minutes of stoppage time, which is basically what it is. Two hours and you're done most of the time. Yeah, I mean, soccer is the best game in the world for watching experience because of that fact. I mean, if it wasn't the fact that I have to show up like four hours early and I get to leave four (laughs) hours after the game, it would be a very quick and expedient process. (laughs) Are you disenchanted with the game then from that at all? Because I got got disenchanted with NBA because I had to wait forever. Uh 
Well, yeah, yeah, sometimes it's not fun. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a ton of fun. And sometimes you wait for an hour and you're like, this is ridiculous. And there's no reason I should be waiting here for an hour, uh, especially after a loss to San Jose at Stanford Stadium, which Even is no more talk. Yeah. It, and, and, and guys don't want to talk or something like that. But, you know, there's also if you develop relationships with people, then you also know they're going to come out and talk to you and they're not going to leave you hanging. So you sit there and you see, you know, a San Jose Sharks player that's from Sweden that brought his son there that just wanted to see Zlatan. And so that dude is standing around with his son waiting for Zlatan to come out. Zlatan comes out in about an hour and 20 minutes. And everybody's like, thank God. Zlatan talks to the reporters for, you know, 15 minutes and tells us all the wonderful things about what happened during the game. It's amazing. And then he's exhausted. You could see it. He goes over to this to this uh, San Jose Sharks player, has a conversation with him for 15 minutes gets down like low to talk to the kid for a good 10 or 12 minutes and signs things and then asks, you know, will you take a picture with me with the kid? And the kid is like ready to fall over from talking to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And so it's like little (laughs) stuff like that that you get to see after you wait. You're sort of like, all right, that was pretty cool. Uh, It was worth it. All right, I'm not going to be angry anymore. Zlatan seems like a sweetheart. He is. He absolutely is. He's a a kitty cat. If he's a lion, he's a kitty cat. Um, He's a really nice guy, and he can be. He can also be a ridiculously harsh critic. Uh, He can be a dick to his own teammates and and a whole bunch of other things. So all the stuff that you hear about Zlatan is probably true. Um, It's just not always 100% true 100% of the time. So 50-50. He's a nice guy sometimes and a mean guy sometimes. Interesting. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you so much for jumping on. It's a pleasure to have you on uh, Unrooster and the Devil, our humble little podcast. Hey, thank you. Yeah, everybody listening, make sure you go check out Corner of the Galaxy uh, the podcast and at Galaxy the website. Podcast on Twitter. Yep, at Galaxy. Yes. Good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. I'm, I'm going on right after this to go find that Robbie Keane interview. I'm pumped to listen to that. Good luck with that one. You might want to search <laughs> on so that's an, that's an older one. All right, that's an older one, but he was great. I'll find it. <laughs> All right, man. Good night from the East Coast. Heading to bed here. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Rooster and the Devil, our teams really suck. I wish I didn't care. I wish I didn't give a fuck. But every game I watch, I know that they are going to Sucks. I hope Pochettino starts to get some fucking luck. Mr. and the Devil. Thanks for coming on. <laughs>